0: important question of your day. Hey, has this been Emo? Welcome to episode 103 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I'm Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. I've been away for a little bit. I understand it's been a month or so. I apologize. I had a new job, and then I moved, which is insane in New York City, if you've ever done that. Um, So I apologize. And then also, uh, Father's Day was yesterday, and it wasn't too fun to think about. Um, Recently lost my father to cancer, and it is uh, something that will be with me forever, but also uh, dealing with, and i got a lot of friends out there and people that have dealt with it, and guess what helps it? Music. So back into the podcast back into music that's what's important this episode we had Connor Murphy of Foxing and Smidley, an amazing soul took time out to uh, speak with us about Foxing and also his new side project Smidley, which will make its way into the top 10 of my top 10 of 2017 thanks for listening thank you for supporting from the site bearing with the lapses when life gets in the way these episodes will never stop until we're interviewed everyone about this special genre we all love So here we are, episode 103 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Connor Murphy of Foxing and Smidley. How are
1: you? I mean, I'm pretty good. I'm crazy right now. But I'm excited to talk to you. My first stuff was all from my parents, like my whole family, uh, who I still just respect the shit out of their music taste. Uh, my parents and my brother and sister, uh, like every one of them has uh, like a totally different set of uh, bands that they love. But like all of this collectively, like, I mean, collectively they make up my favorite bands, but like, uh, I, I have no original bands that I actually, <laughs> I feel like that I like that they don't. Um, but like, so so my sister was really into like, uh, Nirvana and like Modest Mouse and the Pixies. Uh, she's five years older than me. My brother is 10 years older than me. And he was like a giant Weezer, Weird Al, uh, uh, replacements, uh, the, the rentals like you know uh much more like i don't know like devo and shit he's uh he's definitely uh like me my sister has like kind of a diluted version of what he loves than i have an even more like watered down version of what both of them love i fucking love the way uh our, our like lineage goes uh because it's like you know even like um like my brother was like obsessed with nirvana, and then my sister uh like loved nirvana and like uh sort of liked foo fighters and then I just love foo fighters like <laughs> it's just like a weird uh degradation in music <laughs> trickles down to me first baseline,
0: first like musical
1: like rock musical thing that I've ever learned was uh, the bass line of Cannonball by the Breeders.
0: Did you start playing bass because your sister did? Oh, totally. 100%.
1: G played bass because my brother did.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. You guys have three bass players in your family. That's amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so, here's how it worked. My brother, it's like everything comes from him. He set the pace 100% with everything. <laughs> uh, so my brother played trombone uh, from the, from 8 years old until... Senior year of high school, uh, and then when he was in high school, started a band, uh, this fucking kick-ass band that just sounded like uh, I don't know, it sounded like a a, a better like Green album of Razor. It was like so good. Uh, and then uh, my sister played um, a clarinet from eight years old because my brother played trombone. And she stuck with it until, uh, like, you know, junior year of high school or, uh, she might have dropped it before then, but, uh, started playing bass because he started playing bass. Then I did the same thing. I started playing trumpet when I was eight, uh, went through high school and everything. And then the whole time was, uh, also learning bass. So it's like, I did all of it because my sister did it all. She totally did it all because my brother did it all. But that's like, like I said, I, I, uh my whole life i just i feel like i don't have like original thoughts or like <laughs> motives on anything I do uh, but I actually really love that because it's like I kind of feel like everything I do is like just because it's either what my brother and sister have done or what I think they might do
0: there was a there was an openness to share what they were doing with you, and as the youngest you know kind of getting to have it all oh one hundred percent
1: beyond music like tv and movies and stuff like that's it's just everything i like is just what they liked when i did this um this midley project i like every single song is basically like an attempt to get them to like the songs because uh, like with foxing you know i'm i'm not calling shots on anything we do with foxing it's like a complete group decision um which I think makes it unique because it's so democratic. Uh, but with this Smidley thing, it was just like, okay, what I've always wanted to do is just make these songs that Ryan and Kara, those are their names, uh, Ryan and Kara will listen to and like be into. Um, and so, uh, that's why I named it Smidley. That's the name of our dog, our family dog that died. Uh, and, uh, And yeah, and it's like, it it worked. That was the coolest thing. Uh, My brother put out a split with me. Uh, That was the first release for What
0: What sounds or what things were clicking and being like, I have fucking 10 more songs in my head right now.
1: I have the, I don't know, unlimited amount of those types of songs in my head. And it's because I just don't, we don't play anything like that for Foxing. It's like, we are goal with foxing stuff is always to like innovate something to like you know make a song that doesn't sound like any other song uh that's always our number one goal uh same with like lyric stuff it's like you know impossible to make something that's not inspired by other things but we always try to like call ourselves out when we sound when we're sounding too much like another band um but with this band with the snidely stuff it was like 100% just like i just want to play the songs that, like, I listen to, you know, like, uh, like, Pinkerton, like, I just want to play songs like that, or, uh, like, Doolittle.
0: I have listened to the record a shitload. I hear a couple things that you might be like, that's crazy, but I hear Band of Horses a lot.
1: Oh, crazy. You know what is weird about that? I, uh, there's the last song on the album. Every, uh, everybody in the Live Smithly band makes fun of me, uh, because it sounds, like exactly like the chord structure to uh,
0: that, the funeral song. Which is fine. That's fine to do. Yeah, totally. I, I love that love song. Of They're great. When I was listening to it, I was like, this is totally you being in complete control and having no one else tell you yes or no. <laughs> that's oh,
1: 100%. That's exactly what it is. I mean, it's like, um, I mean, like lyrically, like that's the, the most like that. Um, I just, you know, with, with Foxing stuff, we, we write collectively with lyrics, uh, like me and Josh, write, Uh, have written the lyrics for our first two records. Um, and then on this new album, we're doing it even more so collectively. Uh, like today, even we were working on songs and we're just all sitting down and tearing our hair out, trying to figure out things very much like some kind of monster, Yep. Uh, if you've seen that
0: yes i have very
1: much like that
0: <laughs> we
1: were making fun of eric uh because eric brought up a, a line and we said my lifestyle determines my death style oh wow <laughs> so we so we that's what we're doing on this one but like lyrically for the smidley stuff i like the first time that i felt like i could really write about like even drugs mm-hmm. for the first time like which is you know weird to want to write about drugs. I guess I'm not like a, I'm not in, I'm super into drugs, but I been's uh, been enough of a part of my life where it was like, okay, it's time to kind of write about some of this stuff. Yeah, um, And like, and instrumentally, like I I try, we do it with boxing, but like uh, Bowie did uh, an interview where he's talking about the Pixies and how awesome they are. And um, he is, so, you know, the entire reason why that band is incredible is because uh, their louds are so fucking loud and their softs are so, so, so soft. Like, they just, like, this insane shift in dynamics all the time. And, uh, and that's always stuck with me really hard. Like, I saw that when I was probably, like, you know, 15. And I was just always, like... That's, you gotta do that. Uh, But this is the first time that I was making songs that were like straight up, like, you know, the same instruments that the pixies are using, like guitars and a bass and drums uh, and vocals, where it's like, okay, let's actually do that. So to me, like, under the table is like a pixie song, even though that doesn't make any sense.
0: Being able to do that and have that freedom, was there any, like, nervousness of, like, oh shit, it's just me? Yeah, totally. I mean,. Every, uh, every band that
1: I've played in, there's this uh, thing where it's like, everybody's got to be doing something all the time. Uh, like it's weird to not have a part for a section of a song. Uh, especially if that part is longer than like, you know, 30 seconds long. Um, and I think with this, it was like, I'm the only one that needs to actually make a part here. So for a song like it doesn't tear me up, it was like, uh, you know, I added a bunch of other shit to it. And then everything that I added, I was just like, none of this is actually accomplishing anything. Like the only thing that actually matters here is like, you know, the guitar and the the vocal part. Uh, but that's something that I don't think like we would ever do for like foxing. Um, Like, we would never have an acoustic and vocal song. Um, Just because it's kind of like, I think as a band, we would look at that and say, like, well, what, like, how are we, like, pushing something here? There's not, like, you know, uh, I just don't think we would trust ourselves enough to do something like that, Um, which I think is a good thing for foxing. It's like, I don't think... uh, that's like putting all your eggs in one basket for us. Um, but for me personally, it's just kind of like, yeah, that just makes sense. There should be one or two songs like that. Like that milkshake song uh, is another one that's just guitar and vocals, and then eventually like a mellotron.
0: When did you have the time to do this? It
1: was um, it was over the course of like a a year or so. Um, but what would happen is like every every one of those songs. I'm going to eventually release the demo versions of all of them. Uh, And they're very, very similar. They're, you know, horribly recorded. Uh, But that's just because it's me recording it. Um, But they're very, very similar to like the the final thing. Um, And they would all pretty much be done in like a day, uh, like each song. And it's because like when nobody is telling me that's cool or that's bad. It's just kind of like I record the thing and then that's, that's just the part forever. Like that just, there's no reason to change it. I don't think I edited any of these lyrics more than like twice. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And like, uh, and granted, like they're not great lyrics. And I, I I think of this record as like not a remarkable record in any way. Um, I, but I, I do it is a record that I, I like to listen to, uh, and I, I like the song so much. And I think that's, like, that's been like the running goal with the entire project, is like not to overthink anything at all, and just to totally like do it based on uh, what I actually like to listen to. And, uh, and to impress and your brother and, and sister. And, exactly and so most of all <laughs> impressed my brother and sister just kidding no that's that's it i mean like that's 100 percent it like uh when i when we go and play these songs live it's like um uh i remember listening to uh uh jefferson airplane uh with my whole family and everybody's just like this is the greatest music and that's exactly the reason why we have uh uh, lena our uh, the singer, the other singer in and smidley uh, she isn't she there 's no she didn 't record on the records at all, but like live we 're both going to be singing uh, and it 's just because of Jefferson airplane because uh, they p- played like Altamont with uh, two singers, the entire reason for it and it 's because it 'll be fun you know
0: and you collaborated with a few folks, uh, one of the guy's from Dr Dog, a uh, band from Tiger Straw, cam. What individually did they bring? What songs did they work on? What was that feeling of bringing someone into your circle and your your songs and having their input?
1: Those are like my favorite people that I've met while touring. Um, And when I contacted all of them, uh, I was like, I'm going to be in Philly. I'm making this record. Here it is. I sent them all the demos. And I was just like, you know, if you want to play on one of these or all of these, just let me know. Um, It'd be awesome to just hang out. And uh, even if you don't want to play on anything, I would love to see you on in Philly. And um, so from them, it was like uh, Eric uh, slick from uh, Dr. Dog in Lithuania. He uh, immediately was just like anything you want. I I got you on it. Uh, So I asked him to play drums, which, He's the greatest drummer uh you'll you'll ever see. He's just like he played in the Adrian Bellou trio and like I don't know, he's just he's incredible. Um and you wouldn't even realize it from uh the record because it's like, you know, he's playing my drum parts. He's not really playing like peak peak Eric Slick. Uh but he uh he just brought so much to this. It's like any time I would say Um, I mean, the first thing is, like, he just ran through everything within a day. Like, he only took one day to do all the drums for it. It was, like... uh, It's not like he was working on the songs tirelessly before he just kind of, like, picked them all up. Um, And any time I would just say something like, uh, in the end here, can you just go a little wild? Like, uh, just throw in a bunch of fills. He would do something that would just like blow my mind to the point where I would change, uh, like a baseline around it or a guitar part around it is it cause it's just like, he's, uh, an like an endless well of, uh, just like incredible rhythm, uh, and just like it, total like innovation in, in drums, which is weird. It's like, you don't really think about that too much until you, uh, encounter like a really great drummer which I feel the same exact way about John and Foxing. Like he does the exact same thing. Uh, But yeah, Eric was the backbone of the entire record. Um, Joe Reinhardt, who uh, produced the record, played guitar on most of it. Um, He just like retract all of my guitar and, uh, and man, he is such an incredible guitarist. Uh, And I, his production is also just like I've said it to him a many, like many times that I've said it to other people. It was the best two weeks of my entire life. As far as like music goes like better than any, better than any tour or any writing or any recording It was just like every day was just like, I was excited to wake up and start working on it again, which is the first time that's ever happened to me. Um, He's just, he's, he's, one of the best people i've ever met and uh and just puts in the work and but also doesn't stress anyone out. I'm a very anxious stressed out person all the time and uh and he is just absolutely like the best person I could ever work with because he is he's like a surfer uh like an actual surfer, <laughs> and he acts like it he's just uh very laid back but has just so many ideas uh, and he's just so he's so relaxed about everything that he does. Like he'll, he'll throw in like the greatest idea for uh, like a, a guitar part in a song uh, and act like it's no big deal and just be like, I don't know if you'd like it. Here it is. And be like, perfect, man. That's amazing. (laughs) But he has no attachment to his brilliant ideas, which is so awesome because i could just say like i don't really like that and he'd be like cool i'll try this one i love mm-hmm. this um ben probably worked uh more than anyone else from uh, ben's uh from uh, tiger's jaw um he uh only played the guitar the lead guitar and solo for uh dead retrievers um but he sent me like drafts of it and uh was just working on it like for weeks before it uh, totally prepared, which I don't even think he really had to. Uh, He's a good enough guitarist to just come in and just riff. But, uh, but yeah, he prepared so much for it. Um, uh, Dominic Angelella uh, is one of uh, the most talented multi-instrumentalists I've ever met. Um, He plays in uh, Me Without You, plays bass in that. But he's also, uh, recorded, um, on like a Kendrick Lamar song and produced for like Lil B. And, uh, yeah. And he plays in Lithuania. Um, he's also got a solo record. That's just astounding. Um, and he, so he played a lead on, uh, fuck this and, um, just, uh, all I said to him was I, uh, wanted the lead guitar to sound like Dinosaur Jr. And, uh, he straight up played <laughs> like, uh, just like the most Dinosaur Jr. Guitar part of all time. It was just like, perfect. Like not, you know, not a rip off or anything, but like totally exactly what I wanted it to sound like. Oh, and then Cam played, uh, uh, saxophone on, uh, fuck this. Um, and that was just like, uh. He was just, like, soloing around on his stuff. Uh, we got... Uh, I brought my friend, uh, John uh, Heredia, who plays in the live Smithy band, uh, with me, and he brought, like, just this giant jar of, uh, like, cannabis coconut oil um, that he made. Wow. And so he just was... His, like, job during the whole thing was to basically just try to get... This wasn't a job I gave him, but it was, like, attempt to get, like, everybody that entered that room like extremely uh, <laughs> like uncomfortably high. And that's, I think, exactly how it went down with Cam. Uh, Cam was just, you know, uh, like blazed out of his mind, just like riffing on sax and then stumbled upon this part that sounded exactly like uh, Soul Man. Um, you know, like in Soul Man where it's like, I'm a soul man. da <laughs> da
0: like that
1: uh and i just like i just uh played it back to him on piano uh and we just like came up with the part if you listen to it it's like totally not like a soul song at all but like that little thing if you took it out of context is like the most uh like 70s soul james brown part of all time it's
0: awesome blazed soul Blazed Soul. That's you should be, That that, is, uh, that should be your t-shirt.
1: Yes, that should actually have been the album there. I I just <laughs> couldn't think of anything, so it <laughs> was self-titled.
0: If, if you want to tell Fred to change it, we can, uh, we can affect... Uh...
1: Blazed Soul.
0: <laughs> it's really good. Fred, look, I know it's coming out in a couple of weeks, but I was talking to Tom and... <laughs> We figured oh, it out. How did I'm you? Sure be excited I'm about sh- oh, I'm sure he would love that. He, I introduced, <laughs> or he, we introduced each other. Uh, when did you? <laughs> when did you um, realize that uh, you could sing, or that it was something you liked to do, and you were comfortable doing it? Three, de- three very very different times. Uh, like spread out between
1: years for sure. Like uh, first time i realized i i maybe could sing was uh so me and eric from uh foxing who i i didn't say before but eric is a giant part of my my music taste too like uh he's a year older than me and has always felt like he is 20 years older than me uh and a lot like he's a lot like my older brother uh in the sense that I, you know, look up to him and uh, want him to like what I make. Um, so we had this song, and it was like a finished song. Uh, this is like, he was 13 at this time, and even then he was writing, like, full songs, um, uh, like, composed for, like, guitar uh, and bass and drums. He would write them all on, like, Guitar Pro, He's he's always just been, this is why I've always looked up to him, because he's always just been, like, uh, this really, really developed uh, writer for everything. Um, To the point where he, like, doesn't leave that much for you to need to do with a song. Like, he'll write an entire part for you, and then it's just up to you to kind of, like, you know, make it your own. Um, and he still does that with Foxing. It's like, you know, all of our music is basically just, uh, like Eric's kind of, uh, just mind at work. Um, but anyway, in that band, uh, we all (laughs) realized, okay, the song is done and it's, it sounds great. Uh, but we need, one of us needs to sing. And for that matter, like one of us needs to sing in this band in general, uh, so we each, um, we, uh, we decided all of us would like, go to different like, parts of the house, I think. Or maybe it was like we all went home and then came back the next day. Uh, and like everybody writes their own lyrics and everybody attempts to sing, even if you like know you suck, like I did. Uh, so everybody did that. And then we listened back to all of them. And mine was honestly just like the least bad. It was just, like, the least horrible one out of them. And we all, we all, I think we all said it out loud, like, all right, well, Counter's like, sucked the least. So let's, let's go with this one. It's, uh, you know, pretty rough. The lyrics were hard to fucking swallow. They were, like, they were about, like, global warming, but from, like, a 12-year-old's perspective. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was, uh, like the most surface level, like inconvenient truth had recently come out. Uh, and I was just like, yeah, this is, I know all about this shit. I don't even think I'd seen the movie. Um, of course not. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Why would I? Uh, so that's where it went. And from there, it was just kind of like they, all it was, was I would write the most cryptic lyrics I could possibly write. Like I would have an idea in mind, but then I would try as hard as I possibly could to just, like, make them impossible to understand, uh, like, use bad grammar or um, just, like, metaphors on top of metaphors replaced by, like, a metaphor that just didn't exist in the first place. And it was because they all would make fun of the weird no matter what. So I just didn't want them to make fun of, like, and they would make fun of my voice. And I just didn't want them to, like, criticize something I actually cared about. So it would be like, you know, uh, like one of the songs that we wrote back then was about like my friend that died, uh, like when I was, uh, like 11 and, uh, and I knew they would still make fun of it. Like, (laughs) like it would still be something where they're like mocking my voice or something. So it's just like, not even, there's no way you could possibly understand what it's about. Um, so I did that for a long time. And even like the first year or two of Foxing, I was still doing that. Um, but that was the first time with Foxing at least that I started to actually like the way I was singing and like the lyrics I was writing. Um, and I think that was mostly because it was also the first time that I, I sang without a bass, uh, which was like a huge thing. I felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. You just, it's uh, just
0: you. There's no, there's nothing for you to kind of hide behind, even though it's only a piece of wood. If that's plenty,
1: (laughs) I, the reason why I started playing trumpet in boxing was cause it was like, I told them like, guys, like I need something to hold or I will start crying on stage. Like I'm not, I just cannot like dance or move around or anything like that is you're asking way too much for me to try to do that. Um, and, uh, and like, and that's what I did. I just held a trumpet uh, while we were playing our shows um, for like our our first few shows and our first tour uh, until the point where I started, like, I, then I started picking up the trumpet from the case and just like uh, holding the mic, like, you know, uh, like Matt Berninger or something. Uh, And then eventually I would start taking the mic off of the stand. uh, And it was like getting a little bit more comfortable with kind of like I would just, you know, uh, have my back to an audience, but I would have the mic off the stand and be, like, screaming into it, like, hunched over. Uh, And then eventually, like, slowly, I just started to, like, kind of turn around a little bit more. And then when people started knowing our lyrics, it was like, okay, well, now this is the point where I am 100% comfortable with, like, uh, with, you know, singing and the words I'm writing, because people are, like, not only hearing the songs but they're also like memorizing them so there's no like i still don't think i have a great voice but these people they're like i should trust that these people wouldn't be doing this just to make fun of me you know
0: Mm -hmm. so that that took a long time
1: oh totally i mean like uh like a little under 10 years probably of like singing and bands and i would always just do it but like i i just always fucking hated it i just couldn't i could not stand to sing in front of people it just made me so obsessed.
0: And so it took, I mean, for you to have that moment where you're like, holy shit, people are singing Rory back at me, you know, yeah. or that's, that's probably fucking blew your mind.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, that was, uh, it wasn't until after like our first two tours. Cause we, we toured, uh, without an album, um, like, you know, full on kind of like, uh, done know, like four week three or four week tours uh before we like actually put out our record with kind of lucky stars um and until then it was like you know we had like a an ep before but like uh people didn't give a shit about it nobody knew them uh and that especially like that's the most embarrassing thing in the universe to like you know try to play these songs in like different cities like you don't even get to go home afterwards. Like after you get embarrassed that hard, uh, you know, in front of like maybe like five people that are like just talking to each other, drinking a beer in the corner or something like uh, that. I mean like that broke me down. There's a lot of times on those first tours where I was just like, I got, I have to give up on this. Like, this is stupid. Uh, but yeah, the the first couple tours after kind of your lucky stars uh, put out the record. It was just like, Fuck the first time, you know, like people would come up to us after sets and be like, Hey, that was cool. But that was the first time that during a show I would, you know, look out and people were singing along or like crying. That was like the most insane thing in the world to me. Like our first tours, uh, after the record came out, it would be like, I would be singing to somebody that was like crying. And it was just like, that's, that's so amazing. Like, I just, I don't know we kind of make fun of it now. Like, uh, you know, like, uh, the fact that like, uh, I think a lot of kids are kind of like, um, they go to a show and they'll like tweet something like, Oh my God, I'm going to go and cry at the, the brand new show or something or, you know, whatever. Uh, but really like the first time you see somebody like crying, uh, while you're like playing a song is just like so fucking cool. That's like, you know, it, it feels weird to say it out loud, but you're like, damn, like that, you know, it's like you you made something that somebody gives a shit about enough to like shed tears. That's
0: that's awesome. And that's not a funny thing. And I, I think you know, this obviously, I didn't bring up the word emo, but the 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 site, the the website, and the podcast is called that. I re- I attribute that to more of like this euphoric moment of y- your enjoying it so much that it's it's bringing you to tears and it's not 100 percent. and it's not this like yeah. I mean, there was a moment where i had to wait in line two hours in like negative 10 degrees it and i saw jimmy Eat world play cbgbs and when i got in they were in like the epic part of for me this is heaven and all i God, did damn. i just started like i like lost it but i was like it's 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 the experience, it's the sound, it's the memories, it's all those things, like, and for someone to do that for you guys, and I think there's this joke of sort of, you know, oh, it's, you know, a bunch of emo kids and they're all gonna cry. It's like, no, no, it's actually not just like this, like, outwardly, it's more personal. Like it's not yeah. like it's not like I tweeted or I didn't even have Twitter back then. But if I did, I'm not going to tweet that. It's like no, that was between me and the band, and I felt something, and that kid felt something with your band and you, your lyrics, and maybe that helped him that day. And so it's not a sad or a negative thing. It's 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 I think it's happy, and I don't know if you agree or not. Totally. but I feel like that's it's not a sad. Oh, it's not, EMO is not sad. No. <laughs> No, no, no. And I, I think that uh
1: like for instance, I mean my, my favorite the greatest show I've ever been to my entire life was um I was like this I was a giant fan of broken social scene. Uh, nice. when I was a kid. Still still am. Still like my there's like uh drum parts on the Smidley record that are one hundred percent lifted from <laughs> uh songs on You Forgotten People. Um we, we will let them know but
0: What's that? I said we're going to let him know. just kidding. <laughs> we're going to let him know? I'm just kidding. I'm I'm telling I'm going to tell oh. the band. <laughs> oh, like you're going to tell on me? <laughs> yeah, I'm just, right. just kidding. Yeah, good luck. Good luck like <laughs> tracking them down.
1: I know. <laughs> letting them know that shit. They uh well they so there were this like, you know, they, to me like the greatest band of all time, like the coolest people ever. I was like, you know, you know, Lou Reed and uh David Bowie can all, you know, go fuck themselves? like broken social scene. is like, you know, the birth of cool, like these are the coolest people that have ever existed. Um, but I never saw them live. Still have never seen them live. Um, but they, do you know the band do make say
0: think? Yes.
1: Yeah. So, the, okay. So they were coming through town and, um, playing a free show at, uh, uh, St. Louis university. And, um, I had never heard them before. Uh, but Eric was like, "Hey, uh, uh, this band do make say things coming through." Um, Charles Spearin from Broken Social Scene is in the band, and uh, and I was just like, "Cool!" And we got there, uh, and I remember even that, like even when we were at the show, I'd still I never heard them, and I saw Charles Spearin uh, walking around, and I was just like, "Oh, I bet he sings in this band. That'll be so cool!" And then Eric's like no, they're an instrumental band. <laughs> I just, I, I almost left the show because I, was like, I just don't care uh, to see this at all. But it ended up being the greatest show I've ever seen in my entire life. And it is one of, uh, I was three times that I've ever cried at a concert. The other two being like the Pixies and Segaros. Uh And it, I just, the reason why, I was crying was not at all because they were playing like a sad song or anything. It was because they had such a, uh, like enveloping sound in such a, such like restraint that like when they busted into the song, the universe, um, like the second song on, uh, 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 you, your history and rust. Um, when they busted into that song, it was after like probably 10 minutes of like the quietest sounds in the world. Um, And they were even like shaking keys around into a microphone. Uh, And they busted into that song and I just like started weeping. I was like, I've never heard this before, but this is like the greatest sound I I could ever imagine. Uh, And that stuck with me forever. Like that's. And so when I see people, that, uh, like cry during a show, um, or tell me after a show that they were like, you know, oh, yeah, like, cried during this song. I, part of me is just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, uh, it's, uh, something to tweet about, uh, for you. But, um, but then this other part of me is just like, no, you know what you just had, cause it's usually like a, you know, <laughs> pretty much a child, like a, a 12 year old kid. But I'm like, I was like, 13 or 14 when I saw that happen and it was like the most impactful thing that has ever happened to me with music. It was just like, you know, like completely changed the way I thought about music. And so I think when I see people do that, even if that's not having the same effect at all, I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, this could be doing something for you that changes your life. And that even if it, just the chance that it could makes this entire thing That, you know, all of the bullshit and all of the touring relentlessly and the, you know, no money at home, like all of that stuff, the relationships that end because of these tours, like, makes all that shit worth it. Because it's just like,
0: you, this could have maybe changed your life. I don't know. I think that's really important that you said that, because what if... Uh, that show you pointed at him and and made fun of him, or i 'm not saying you, but maybe something happened that that negative effect of the show a scene um maybe he was going to be in a band I mean that sort of staying positive and that sort of understanding a scene and understanding what you what you 're doing you know you 're part of something, and there 's sometimes you know you go to shows and it 's like maybe their first show and they're not maybe sure of what's going on or um, what things to do, and when you've, someone's that comfortable to be able to do that at your show is is, is a great feeling, and I hope it happens more. Um, but it's that whole I guess that misnomer of like, "Oh, someone's crying at a show," and Entertainment Weekly's response is, um, "That's an emo kid crying when it's actually that's the, nothing to do with it.' It's, it's, just, it's just about the music, not anything else.
1: Totally. It's like, if you, if you all do make say thing an emo band, like, fuck you. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. But you know what I mean, like overall, like anything (laughs) like that. Like anytime someone's like crying, it's like, oh, they're emo or the fucking Kylo Ren from Star Wars just because he's a little sad (laughs) in the movie. It's like, no, he's not. (laughs) There's nothing to do with it. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's weird, like,
1: I don't know. I mean, like you have, uh, you, you have, Completely owned it. And I think we've talked about this before, but like you, your podcast and your website is called washed up emo. It's like, you are just dead spitting in the face of anyone that would ever say something like that.
0: Yeah. It's, um, it's, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a joke. It's like, you're washed up. Like, yeah, it's kind totally. of like, it's, but it's like, it's kind of like endearing too. It's like, you know, it's okay. You're a little older, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> well, like, I think I can't, I, I am not, how old are you now? I am 38.
1: 38. I am too young to accept, like, the emo stuff. Like, accept the the labeling of it all. Yeah. And it's, and I'm too young for a lot of shit that I, I you know, I, I always like to try to I want to be, my my dream was like a a baby, I feel like, is to be like five years older than I actually am. Uh, (laughs) I'm like constantly in a state of like, like right now I'm just like, man, 30. That's the year for me. Uh, (laughs) And when I was a little kid, I was like, 21, that's the year for me. Uh, The thing though is that I just don't, uh, I'm just too, I'm too uh, naive to realize actually that like the emo stuff is just like like all the labeling of it it's just like a phase of society that passes just as soon as you know all the other ones have like it's i you know i've i've watched it happen so many times before even like a different form of emo Mm -hmm. emo used to mean something else emo used to mean cutting your wrists uh or like uh or having like swoopy hair yep um Or, like, basically, like, you know, like, South Park's got the whole, like, goth and emo thing. Like, uh, it used to be that. And, like, now it's, like, a different thing. It's kind of, like, how we, how I at least used to think of, like, indie rock kids. Uh, and, like, I think the two have just kind of, like, melded into this weird thing. Um, but I'm still, like, when somebody will say, like, uh, like, you're, you're my favorite emo band, uh, I'm just like, well, fuck. I wish you would just say your word, your favorite indie rock band, or just your favorite band in general, or something. Like, I just wish you wouldn't say emo. Um, and I think that's so weird. Like, I, I just, I don't know why I care so much.
0: Yeah, the word is 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 always hated unless you're making thousands of dollars DJing around the country. Um, yeah, uh, I feel like that's the only time that you actually like the word. No one's ever liked the word. Everyone I've interviewed has and <laughs> has said no. They fucking I mean even Ian Mackay fucking hates the word. So everybody across the board does. I think it's I think you know some people you know bands maybe then I was going to ask you like were you bummed that I was like supporting you because sometimes it leads people down a certain path but also what was happening at that time and I wanted to hear like there was so much good music and the thing is like you guys could have fit in 96 and you could have fit in 1990 uh, or 89 like the aesthetic and the the way that you were projecting the sound was so honest and that's what I connect mm. with. That's what I think when I first saw you guys whatever that show was we we're talking about earlier it was just like this is coming out so clean and honest it's no preconceived – there was no, like, we're going to fucking do this breakdown right here. It's like, yes, I know bands can do that and be formulaic, but I like it when it's raw. I like it when there's this feeling to it, this gut, and that's what I heard from you guys, and that reminded me of seeing the Get Up Kids for the first time or seeing, um, sure. you know, maguai or whatever it is. Like, Yeah, totally. So – you guys, I mean, did you guys be like, fuck, they think we're an emo band? <laughs> no, because, well, so what, I mean, the whole way that it all happened was like, yeah, we were just straight
1: up just trying to make good songs, to, like, in our opinion. And, uh, the very first songs we made, um, we were just, like, super into it. our our initial thing that we said with the band, uh, was that we wanted it to be folk music with Apex Fun Drum. That was always the number one thing we were trying to make. Um, And uh, when we started making the songs, that's what we thought we were doing. And we thought we were emulating, uh, you know, uh, Apex Twin or like Mogwai or, uh, I don't know, like Seeger Rose, like name name any post-rock band. That's what we were trying to sound like mixed with, uh, you know, I don't know, like, I think that the biggest thing is, like, uh that made it actually, like, end up being Emo is that we all like dust Cab security. Um, <laughs> and I think, like, that we didn't realize that, like, what we were making was actually fitting into this, like, yeah, the, like, Emo
0: world. um That was happening at that moment.
1: Yeah, and we had no idea because also we weren't going out of town. We weren't, you know paying attention to Count Your Lucky Stars or anything like that. Uh, And we were, um, I I think once we started uh, touring, uh, the way that we did it was, and this is just like, this is the advice that I've always given to every uh, kid that's ever asked me how to like start uh, being in a band or, you know, like trying to gain any kind of success in music, is that, we would host bands at our houses. um, And we would just, you know, like any, any touring band, no matter who it was, if we liked the music at all, we would ask them if they wanted to stay at our house uh, and like cook some food, get them beer and stuff. Um, And, uh, and those are the bands that we would ask favors from whenever we were trying to book our first tour. Uh, So like uh, some of those bands were like, you blew it uh joie de vie uh empire empire um uh who else uh you'll live who uh i don't think they're still making music uh tiny moving parts was one of them uh there's just these bands that we were just like you know we just get to know them really well prawn was another band um we get to know them really well and then when we were going out on our first few tours we would just Get all those people up and say hey we want to come to uh, uh fargo <laughs> and like Tiny moving parts will you play with us or can we stay at your house at least uh and they would all say yeah and then um we ended up playing shows with Joie de v and empire empire and that's keith was like took a liking to it and just was just like hey i'll put out this record if you guys are down with it and we're like yes 100% um So that's, that's how it happens. And like, because of that, and again, no idea that we founded anything like these other bands. We just, this is all just music to us. Uh, There's like no business side of any of it. It was just like complete DIY fuckery. Um, And, uh, and then, you know, all of a sudden we're on a record label with all these bands that are like undeniably emo music. Um, And like one of our first tours was with, uh, like first like actual tours was with uh warren franklin uh just uh again undeniably emo musician he's been sending um,
0: me uh music recently how is it how is it i like it i like it he's like asking me my opinion and it's been it's it's been really sweet i've actually loved that he sort of brought me into the process of him making a record
1: He's he's a great guy uh and uh and we played as his backing band on that tour.
0: Oh no way funny story about
1: Yeah, funny story about that tour actually. So it was it was us and Warren Franklin, um, and football et cetera. And uh and so we would play as Warren's backing band and he rode in our our real shitty band, our first tour band. Um so he rode with us and we had played these basements and um play two shows every night. Uh You know, horrible, horrible shows, uh, that would just, you know, just exhausting experiences, uh, and, uh, at the end of the night, each time, uh, they would, you know, have their, like, uh, (laughs) their hat with the money and come up to us and, uh, they'd be like, okay, so, uh, let's see, you guys, uh, are in, all in one van right And we we're like yeah and they're like okay so uh we'll just pay you as one then oh my um, god and then we'll pay football et cetera, and like the other bands on this show uh as one as well like uh, like uh, as their own like as separate people but you guys are sharing a van so the gas money all gets spent on the same thing uh and we were just like yeah i guess that makes sense that's just the way it goes but it was like, why are we fucking doing this? It doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's not like these are good shows, like good good exposure or anything. Uh, and that our van that we were in on that tour broke down so hard, and we had to spend uh, like $500 on it. And we all, we didn't have enough money at all. I think we might have had like $100 uh, that we had like made from the tour. Uh, so we all had to like, contact our parents and girlfriends um and just be like hey is there any way you could spot me like 50 bucks or uh you know 100 bucks could i could i pay you back like when i get home and work a couple weeks at you know whatever job i'm at uh and that's how we paid for it it was just like it was a disaster uh but those are like the first You know, those were just, like, our tours. Uh, We had no idea that they were, like, these are emo tours, and you are an emo band. We were still, like, we're a folk band that plays Apex Twin Drums.
0: How does everybody, like you said, Tiny Moving Parts, You Blew It, Prawn, when you guys talk amongst yourselves, what do you say? Like, are you, like, this is great that we've got, like, sort of a built-in, you know, there's people that pay attention to us, but also... Uh, I don't know. I always joke like th- there was a band I worked on when I worked at Equal Vision Records. Everyone thought everything we put out was a hardcore record. And we put out this band called the Snake to Cross the Crown, which is their their second record is one of my favorite records of all time. It's like it sounds like Wilco. And so but but again, they are not like, you know, th- th- they would get booked on hardcore tours and like these like you know punk tours and it was just like you could t- i mean it, it i think they were starting to turn right before they broke up um but those things you know sometimes when you get stuck in that if it's a hardcore world or whatever it is it's like you wish you were on sub pop or you were on you know merge or something and it's it's just that scene that you guys were in was happening and there was this beautiful moment and When you guys talk amongst yourself, are you like, fuck, I wish, you know, someone at Sub Pop heard us or something? I don't know. Well, I – no. Okay. I I mean that in, like, a joking way. (laughs)
1: 100% I wish that somebody from Sub Pop would just talk to me. (laughs) I wish that I just – I could just smell someone from Sub Pop. Uh, But that being said, it's like – I think – so during that time when we were doing those tours – the word was never emo, never at all. The word was always DIY. Um, that was the all encompassing term for genre and for scene that like, it just took over everything. It was like a uh, tiny moving parts, prawn, foxing, calculator, uh, uh jowls, uh, empire, empire, like, it just like you name it. Any band that we've played with, um, our, you know, from like, 2011 to 2013, those were all just DIY bands. And that was the DIY community, um, you know, nationwide. Uh, and the whole idea of it was just to maintain a community and maintain, uh, support from each other. Um, and that was it. That was just all it was. I mean, that's why, like when we got paid a hundred bucks for two bands, because we were in the same van that's why we didn't question it we were just like you know we weren't going to like try to haggle them for more money it was just like yeah you did us a favor hopefully we we can return it for you uh and yeah this just makes sense it's like we're not going to take more money because we have one van that we're in um the same way that like football etc wasn't going to take more money than us even though everybody at that show was there for them you know like it just all that made sense like that. Uh but now it is so 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 different, uh, with all of these bands because none of us give a shit about a DIY community. And like that sucks. And that's like, you know, that that's a bummer. And I'm kind of trying to revisit that with the Snibley stuff, like trying to kind of get back into that granted I'm, but this first tour that we're doing is with Tiger's Jaw and that's just because I'm not going to turn down something as awesome as that uh, what happened but,
0: what happened do you think is it that there was so much notice and bands were getting signed and producers were getting like I mean thinking of you that's guys that's exactly ha- what it was just everything was that, fucking I mean, happening
1: like, yeah well that I mean he nails it on the head it's like people uh, beyond just kids in basements uh, gave a shit for the first time for, well, it, you know, for us, for the first time, this is, this happens in waves all over the country with different genres, uh, since, you know, the dawn of music, like, uh, but for us, it's like this specific, you know, wave of whatever you want to call it, whether that's emo or DIY or, uh, pff, fuck, I, I don't know, uh, whatever genre or term you want to put on it. Our wave was, we all, helped each other out to uh book shows in basements in houses in art spaces and then eventually um enough kids liked it where uh older uh like label managers or like bigger I shouldn't say older I guess <laughs> I'm only saying that cuz of Fred uh but like l- larger record labels um would start contacting us, uh us meaning like all of those bands. Um or at least the lucky ones. Um and they because like, you know, um a band like Jowl for instance, it's like that doesn't fit oh okay, actually best example in the universe, I can't believe I haven't said their name in this conversation yet, but the reptilian.
0: Oh the yes.
1: Prime example of uh an unlucky band, like the most unfortunate circumstance for them, uh and I hope if they ever hear me saying this, that they would never take it as offense, because they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, But they are a band that um, was so embedded into that DIY scene that you couldn't be, you couldn't listen to them. Like, I I don't think that their music made any sense to somebody that wasn't uh, in that scene or watching bands in basements. You know, it wouldn't make any sense to, uh, um, like a kid in his first year of college that like somebody just shows them in a dorm or something like, it, would, it just wouldn't mean anything to them. Uh, cause a lot of their lyrics even are about like touring, uh, or like, you know, uh, hanging out with their friends in a basement or something, um, playing shows in a basement. So for them, it's like, you know, I, I always just thought like, this is the greatest band in the world. Um, But then once I started, once we started getting involved in like the business side of all this stuff, I started realizing like, where would they fit? You know, like, would they go on like, would it make sense for them to be on like Death Wish? No. Would it make sense for them to be on Equal Vision? Fuck no. Uh, Run for cover? No. It's like, you name it, it's like any label that is, uh, you know, big enough to, uh, I don't know, like, uh, set them apart uh and like put them on like an international level like that they just wouldn't make any sense on those labels because they they embody that diy scene uh more than anyone else did so like to me it's like they our music was at least like watered down with these other influences to the point where like it made sense outside of it uh like our first record you know like There's not one song on that record that is, like, about the DIY community. They're all, like, relationship songs. Uh, So I think all of these bands, at this point, when we all talk, it's like there's no kind of, like, emo conversation or DIY conversation unless we're talking about the past. Because at this point, now it's, like, even within Foxing, like, now it is uh, our conversations are basically how do we further the career of this band to the point where we can make it our career? Like our, the, where like music is uh, our livelihood and you know, this is our form of income. This is like our entire life is uh, writing, recording and playing music. Um, and because of that, it's like, there's a lot less thought of like, how does this affect the DIY community? And way more thought of like our, a target audience going to be into this or, you know, uh, go to see this live or something,
0: you know, like, that's really interesting. It's sort of taken from the collective approach to the individual. It's it being, being the band and you guys, you're totally right. It's like, I think of bands and, and they play a show and they've got seven records and they've got to, you know, play the old one for uh, me, you know, I'm 38. Uh, and then they got to play the, the, the single and they got to play the new song because someone from the radio stations there and all these other things start happening where it seems like you guys are having these, you're right. You're not th- thinking about, Oh fuck, we gotta, we gotta make everybody happy. It's like, we have to continue this as a brand. Yes. One hundred percent. And like, you know, you really, it feels
1: so dirty to think of it that way. You feel like you're in like a boy band or something or like, a, uh, I don't know, Like a, you feel like a
0: sellout all the time. Uh, Do you feel like there's a happy way. medium? Do you think there's a happy medium? Like a band that you guys can have the, you know, you can go record wherever you want and you can release what you want. It's not like, you know, Fred at Triple Crown's telling you to go back into the studio and give me another single, kid. You know? Well, I think
1: I, I think uh, I think we've found our happy medium in uh, in our band, and I would say it's a, it's a sort of happy medium. It's like I think personally, I see our band as being in between a, um, you know, like grinding, uh, touring DIY band uh, between that and like um maybe like a college radio friendly or um uh i don't know like a, a songs that could be put into uh like a a, a commercial or something like a com- some kind of commercial band i think we're somewhere in between there leaning a lot more towards uh like the you know diy touring bands um and that's just like that's just how it is we're just uh we make enough money at these shows because we do them constantly and every time we play them they get a little bit bigger it is so so minute but every single show gets a little bit bigger in each city um and sometimes they get smaller (laughs) the worst times are when they get uh smaller but um like for us it's like because of that uh we can make enough money, um, because these are, you know, like door deals or like, um, you know, uh, uh, you're selling merch for more or like, uh, the tickets are more expensive or something. It's like, you know, that business side of everything starts like raising a little bit more each time. So we're able to take home enough money to pay for like maybe two months of rent, uh, from a tour. And like, that's, you know, that's all we can ask for. Um, And I mean, that's why we're always gone because we're, you know, we can't, we can't live without the touring. Yeah. The touring, like the income from it. Um, And you know, that's why we all lose our minds constantly over this shit.
0: Like we're all,
1: I have like a, a special, um, antidepressant that I take just for tour. Like, and it's just because we do it so much and you're just like, there's
0: no stability. I like the bed at night. I like, you know, being able to have that routine and you've got a routine, but it's like, you've got 45 minutes of euphoria and 23 hours <laughs> and 15 minutes of boredom.
1: Yes. Uh, that's how I feel. I, I, uh, and it's like, for me, not even boredom. Most of the time, it's like, like panic, like, uh, how come? well, I mean like <clears throat> so many different things. It's like, you know, uh, Your relationship, like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, if your girlfriend's depressed at home or something, or like, you know, misses you uh, too much to like handle. It's like, you can't go and just, uh, be with them. Um, or money, like, you know, you're, you're not making enough on the tour. Like you're, uh, each night, like you're playing those euphoric 45 minutes, but like you're realizing that there's only a hundred people at the show And, uh, and even if each person there buys a t-shirt, you're still not making enough money to cover like rent if it it keeps going that way, you know, like, you know, you start realizing how much you make from the number of people at a show or something like that. Uh, or like each, each t-shirt that you sell, like how much that means you actually make. Um, that's the stuff that, you know, gives me deep anxiety where it's like, man, we're not doing well enough. Like we, we need to. like, what are we missing here? You know, like, and, and that affects our writing a lot too. Like our last record, um, we're all proud of it for sure. But, uh, it was definitely, um, a large part of like our process with it was this thing of being like, uh, we don't want to keep touring the way we have been where, you know, we go out for, a month and a half and come back with enough money to pay you know like one month of rent you know and then like go and work a, a job that we absolutely hate if we even can get a job because we've been gone for a month and a half and,
0: they and we're gonna they're leave gonna for leave. another
1: month and a half later yeah so it's like you know that's scary stuff it's like um it's just like knowing that you know you have a business now Uh, Like our band is our business and realizing that like sometimes that business is like not doing well. Like sometimes it's, you know, you're really eating shit and you're in a lot of debt. Like we're always in debt. Uh, And like, that's, that's scary. That's just like
0: the horrible feeling. Um, Do you feel anything turning the corner? Do you feel anything you feel did you feel any moments the last time you guys were out that there was, there was some turning, or was it, this feels like the same?
1: It always feels the same. Really? Uh, that being said, it is not the same. And that, that's why you have to. I always just have to take a step back and really look at like the big picture on these things. Like, it feels like the second record we put out uh, for Foxing did not do well. Like, it doesn't feel like, uh, people care about it or like, um, like it, it's put us on another level, but when you take a step back from it and you look at, uh, how you were doing a year ago to now, or even how you were doing five years ago, I think we've been going for about six or seven years now. Um, six years. Uh, it's like, when you look at it like that, it's like, okay, we're doing okay. Like, this is, you know, we're getting better each time. The the tours are uh, getting shorter and you're making more money from them. And it's like, which means that you don't have to, like, kill yourself over this stuff, uh, like, for each thing that you make. So, like, this new record we're working on for Foxing, to me, is the the best shit we've ever made because it's like...
0: You're not as stressed. not
1: trying to... Yeah, we're not trying to, like, I don't know, achieve some kind of, like, radio sensation hit of a song. We're just trying to make, like, a great album that fits in a, uh, in, like, a discography. Because, like, that's, I think, the most important thing to me now with Foxing, where on our last record, the most important thing was, like, making, like, a single or something. Uh, With this record, it's like, no, we want to make, like, the next chapter in like a discography where like when you look at the the sum of all of the records it's like that fits right in there and that was a great one like you definitely did not misstep with that one great it's awesome hopefully it's the best one and i am i'm so proud of of this band for for how well we've done so far on this record it's like uh we're recording it ourselves um and uh and we're just you know, just plugging away at it and like taking as much time as we possibly need. Uh, even like we're, we we are stressing so hard about it because we're like, we need it to be out by March of 2018. That's the month that it needs to be out because, uh, festivals will start booking around then. And, uh, also it's like the, the, the first quarter, Uh, the second, like the last part of the first quarter of the year, as far as like the business goes and everything. And then like, all of a sudden we just like, we took a step back and looked at it and we're like, let's just not fuck with any of that. Let's finish the record when it's done and put it out. Whatever that could be 2019. Who cares? Like a, a fan of this music, uh, will not give a shit when it comes out. As long as it comes out the right way, you know, like, I think that's just such an important thing. And I think a lot of people might just like fall off and like stop giving a shit about this band, uh, in the time that it took between our two records. Um, and that's okay too. You know, it's like, those are the things that these are the, all the, the reasons why we found this happy medium. Cause it's like, you know, uh, we're not doing well enough to, uh, like not worry about money we're you know living (laughs) way way under the poverty line for sure um but it's like the happy medium is that we're we're able to make music without stressing about um you know how well the record does when it's out it's like as long as it is good for us you know we we're okay with it being like something like a pinkerton instead of a blue album like something that takes a long time for somebody to think like, okay, this actually was pretty good.
0: And I think there needs, do you have that balance? And that's what that music you're, you're, you're going to make the right music because of that. I think the, I hope so. Well, if if you're thinking again, if you're like, all right, March, 2018, and we've got this tour and yes, I think there's ones you do that. Sometimes you are like, okay, great. Because of this really great opportunity, we're a band. We need to have a career. It makes sense but in other ways it's like if it's going to affect the output of the music and where you sit on that discography then why then you shouldn't do it
1: yeah exactly i think we we actually had this conversation uh a couple of weeks ago where we were all really frustrated with each other we'd recently gotten back from a european tour um that was way too fucking long um and didn't make any money doing it really um, oh, oh no no fuck. yeah we we ate shit on it pretty hard, I mean, you know we made we made money doing it, we just didn't make like anything close to what we actually needed to like survive uh and like everybody is getting jobs now and like um kind of biting the bullet on this. This is like the first time that any of us have like gone back and like, okay, I need to get a job doing deliveries or whatever. Um, and it's like, that feels pretty defeated. Like that's, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm looking pretty rough on money right now. Um, and because of that, we all take it out on each other. We take it out on our band. Um, and we were doing that a lot. Uh, and we all sat down at our practice space, which is also like our little studio, and uh we kind of just had it out with each other and like just um you know uh just kind of like went off on each other about the things that we were mad about um but by the end of it we realized one thing that we do just all the time is uh we make fun of our own band and we talk about how you know how much it's like ruining our life uh And how the music that we make is just like, uh, you know, mediocre bullshit. But we like, for the first time in maybe ever, we all sat down and we were like, can we just say out loud to each other, if we believe this, we all say out loud to each other that we actually like this band and that this is fulfilling to us, you know, like that this is, uh, that we think this is good music and that we, uh... We had this. Hasn't been time wasted, and we were all able to do it. We were all able to like say out loud for like the first time, like, you know what? I make fun of this shit a lot, but like, I wouldn't want to be doing it any other way. Like, this is this is the you know this is our life, and like if I did if I hated it enough I would quit, because it's not like I'm sticking around for the money, or or the fame or anything. It's like I'm sticking around because this is like important
0: to me you know that's amazing that you guys were able to do that
1: yeah no i was i was I, it was a super uh i don't know a super important moment for all of us i think where it was just like okay this isn't all for nothing like we're we're gonna be okay you know even if we all have to have our second jobs uh that we <laughs> even if we all have to like start and quit a job within a month uh, off and on for the next years to come. Like this is going to be okay.
0: And for you guys to say that all together and not one person say no shows a lot about you guys and how long, much you've been through and how, I mean, again, you guys believing in it and that's going to come through in the music. I hope so. I really hope so. I think it will, uh, for us at least. I hope it
1: translates in some way because it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely a weird record, the thing that we're working on right now. It's like, um, definitely if you look at that, this one versus like our first record, uh, two, seemingly two different bands. Um, and, uh, but in reality, it's like, it's really what we needed to make to like, you know, uh, stay sane. It's like, and you know, that's the thing that I actually, the, um, making this record is the, the first time that I've actually like uh realized that I need to give Slack to bands more, like bands that I love. Um, you know, like um I'm trying to think of the best example, like uh I don't know, Weezer's a pretty good one. I'm like, okay, Pinkerton, blue album, everything else is fucked. Like just the worst thing in the world. Um Maybe Green Album is passable, but like other than that, everything is horrible. There's like a, maybe five songs with the rest of the, the albums that I like. Uh, but it's this is the first time that I've actually listened and been like, I have to give slack to these people. Like they can't keep making the same record over and over again because they're different people than they were the first time they made it. You know, like their Rivers is not the same Rivers that he was when he made Blue Album been through insane shit you know another band that like i just absolutely will always listen to all the way through is why
0: you listen to why which one again why w-h-y yeah question mark no tell me about them oh my god well
1: okay they will no no fucking way after we get done on this conversation will they not be one of your favorite bands after you listen to them i'm Uh, in
0: i'm in they like they are
1: um they just put out a new record that is fucking phenomenal um but like they they're probably seven or eight records deep, and um uh yoni Wolf is the name of the singer um he is like kind of a rapper this is going to sound the way you describe this band will make them sound like they are fucking Limp Bizkit, but uh, they are like, um, just, uh, he's, he's like a, a rapper. Um, just like so, so influenced by hip hop, but he's also just like, really just like a great lyricist, a lot like, um, me without you, like Aaron from me without you, just like, mm-hmm. you know, he, it's like he's got too many words to just sing them. It's like I, I've I've got too many great lyrics to like just you know only pick a few. I have to give you all of them, um, and it's just like every record that they put out will do that. Like uh, I I'll just I I have to like you know throw on headphones and listen to the entire thing. Um, and there's only a handful of bands that I I really feel that way about. I the way that I've always thought of of foxing is like we are we are building our way towards being like a, a a band that somebody can look back at their discography and appreciate um like uh like my my that's that's at least like my kind of goal with what we do kind of like the national mm-hmm. um you know like the national who I I just absolutely love them but like uh you know their first few records were just you know, shit. Like they, nobody cared about them. They're incredible records, but like, you know, it took until, uh, that boxer record or high violet before people, before they became like the sensation that they are now. Um, and once that happened, then people had not just this new album that came out from them, but like an entire back catalog of all of these songs and all these, you know, like music videos or whatever, like all, all these things that they could like, you know, oh, I couldn't get enough of their new record. Thank God, like, there's, you know, all of these other things that I've never heard before. And I've always kind of wanted that to be, like, where we're headed. Uh, Granted, it takes us a long time to make these records, but, like, I hope by, like, maybe our, like, fourth or fifth record, if we get that far, that, um, like, some kid will hear, you know, uh, LP5, And be like, holy fuck, I love all of these songs, I need more. And they'll be, you know, like, yes, I get to go back and listen to all this other shit. This is great.
0: Like Green Day, you know, they were on Lookout, and that was it. And then they went to a scary major label. Yeah, but then they fucking made American Idiot. And reclaimed like a different, they had a different look, they had a different sound. And it it worked, it was still fucking Green Day.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, uh, I've always, you know, I really want to do that with our next record, um, which is, you know, such a lame fucking thing to admit, but I want to, like, reinvent, like, the kind of look and idea of foxing, just so that, like, a kid can be like, oh, there's this new band, Foxing, exactly. and then, like, look back at our other shit and be like, whoa. There's like eras to this stuff.
0: Well, um, Tom for Washed Up Emo talked about them ten years ago. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Like, uh, and now they're or this, like, even like looking at an old movie. video, like look at those fucking stupid glasses that he used to wear. You know, like, <laughs> like you know, like Bowie's got like his you know uh, his different look for every record.
0: Like the eras of Bowie and stuff. Like, I think that there's something so cool about that. Like, you just like you should not have to look the same. No, nah,
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, I think for, for a while I had a, a, a mustache and uh, and um, people uh, on like the internet or, like on Tumblr and stuff would just like talk about um, my mustache. And I was like, I guess I can't shave this thing, even though I hate it. And like people make fun of me now. Um, like I just did it cause I thought it was funny at first, but now it's like, you can't shave it. But then once I did, I was like, Hey, you know what? Now there's like, Uh, when I look back at pictures, at least for me, I can tell what, uh, like, you know, album we were touring on because if I had a mustache, that means that we were on our first album. If I didn't have a, if I don't have a mustache, we're on our second one. And hopefully I'll have like, uh, like white hair and, uh, spandex suit that I wear each night or something, uh, for this (laughs) record.
0: What I want (laughs) you guys to do. And I actually tell bands that I work with now is remember to save things and take a random, you know, photo and maybe throw the date. You know, remember the date or email to yourself with the date every day. And five years from now, when we're hopefully talking or I'm seeing you at the show and there's an anniversary of some record, you have something from (laughs) that time and that place for... Remembrance, but not for just you, but for you know a fan like me, like oh, I remember that stop by show, and there was this flyer, whatever it was, and I think that's going to be important for you guys as a as an artist, as a as a as a band, and it seems weird now, but it's going to mean something. It, It yeah, of course, and I think
1: like a huge, and we don't do that like ever because we're so like unhappy while we're on tour, but like. Uh, we don't want to, like, take a picture of ourselves. It's the most <laughs> depressed we've ever been. But, like, I think it's so important to do stuff like that. There, There's always a kid at every show we play that is, like,
0: uh,
1: asks, like, like, how, you know, how do you make it uh, in music? And a lot of times we will just, like, ask him, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll just talk about the same shit that me and you are talking about now, but, like, i'll a lot of times ask him like, well, what do you play like what's your instrument? And so many of these kids are like i 'm a guitarist and singer. I used to play uh like clarinet when I was a little kid though like that's that's what I started on, so that 's my first instrument, but i 'm getting better at guitar i'm like, Fuck guitar, clarinet like you gotta play that yeah, that's your fucking instrument, same thing with the the kid crying where it 's like you know as cheesy as it may be it 's like this is the stuff that makes it all worth it. Like, I I don't know, uh, if I would ever give a shit about any of this touring stuff, uh, if I didn't have interactions like that. And I, I think that's why most bands, even if they're really great, why a lot of them end is because they don't have those connections with people that make them realize what they're doing is important.
0: I think you guys having that argument, if you didn't have that background, of what was going on and and knowing that those things were happening. Maybe that would have been a different discussion. Maybe you all had your own buses and your um, different things. And yes, different examples maybe can play. And this is just the one, but you guys having that history helps. And you know, how many bands go to Europe and break up? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess they can go anywhere, but Europe sometimes puts people at (laughs) their, you know, they're not in their, their home country and they're under, you know, yeah, It's definitely tough. I mean,
1: like, I've never felt uh, more like I was uh, doomed with music than when I've been in Europe. Uh, (laughs) It's it's a wonderful place. It's Uh, just
0: also uh, (laughs) unforgiving. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Remember when you had, uh, well, of course you remember, when the van was stolen? Um, Yes. You know, obviously that's, you know, crazy detriment. But the amount of support that happened from it was fucking amazing.
1: That was the worst and best day of tour. Uh, like, one of the. That's like. That was like the top three worst days of tour ever. But also, the same day was like at least, you know, top five uh, best days of any tour we've been on. Um, and it was because of that. It was like. Yeah. Like, there's. Uh, it was so much a lemon to lemonade situation that it. At a certain point, we, like, we started giving, we had to, we had to give money to charity. It was, like, we can't possibly take, like, we can't possibly profit off of this. That's fucking stupid. Like, that would be the scummiest thing ever. Um, and, like, and but beyond that, it was, like, you know, like, uh, these uh, the people were, like, coming out of the woodwork to say, like, hey, I heard about this because so many people shared it to me, but I have no idea who you are. Uh, I wasn't, like, I didn't care, but then, like, uh, but then I started listening to your music, and we like it. And it's just like, holy fuck. Like, that, that is so, so cool. Like, there's there's nothing cooler than that to, uh, to be so, I don't know, to be so hopeless in a moment where it's, like, So hopeless in in humanity in general to say like uh, somebody could not just you know steal something because like of course you you understand how somebody could steal something from you, but like to to systematically like follow you uh, to the place that you're staying uh, and like bring the necessary tools to detach your trailer and like have another car ready to go to like haul it away. It's like that's like that's really scary and sad. That's like uh, uh somebody like planning a murder or something, like you know, not nearly on the same level, but like you know, that's a heist. That's a a, a true a true fucking crime. Uh there's there's no passion in that, there's no uh like, you know, spontaneity in it. It was like somebody fucking followed us to do that shit. And um and it was just kinda like yeah, like fucked the world for that! Like that—that that was unbelievably horrible. But then all of a sudden, like immediately after, it was like the world was unfucked. It was like the it balanced itself out in that moment so fucking hard. Like uh, the 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 response from that shit got to a point where it was like, I don't know. We had a good night. That's insane. We should. I mean, like how what other line of work do you have a good night after your entire business is stolen from you? You know, like, I don't know. It's like it was $30,000 worth of equipment and it was all of our equipment from the time that we were 12 years old till that moment. Like, you know, like uh, some of us before that, it's like, um, you know, I had a trumpet that uh, Evan, Evan Weiss from uh, Into and Over It, Um, a trumpet that uh, he gave me and it was like this super special moment where like um, his uncle passed away and left him a trumpet and uh, we were at a show together and he was just like, Hey man, I brought you this. I want you to have it because I don't know how to play trumpet. And like, it's really important to me and I would keep it and collect dust in my house. But I figure like my uncle would have wanted it to be like used And I feel like you're the person that I want to like use it. And it was just like, you know, we like shared so much. Like, it was just like a tearful exchange where it was just like, holy fuck, man. Like that, you know, it's like asking, like somebody asking you to be like their best man or something. Like, uh, it was so important. And that fucking trumpet was stolen. Like it was taken. Uh, and like, you know, that was the, that was the first thing I thought of when uh, I saw the trailer was gone. Um, but then once we started, like, uh, the first, he was the first person I called before, like my parents or anything. And I called him and I was just like crying. And I was just like, dude, like, I can't, uh, I don't know how to like say this to you. And I don't know how, you know, like, you're going to hate me forever for this, but like that Trump is gone. And he was like, I don't know. It was like he he just immediately jumped right to like, what can I fucking do to help? Like, what do you need? What can I like mail you? What guitar do you need? You know, like, tell me anything and I'll help you out. Like, don't fucking think about that trumpet for a second. Uh, just the same as like my uncle would have wanted you to like, or to, for it to be played and not collect dust. He also would understand, like, you know, he's a trumpet player. He's a musician. Like, he, under- he understood the, like, the pains of bringing an instrument with you and, like, the love that you have for an instrument that can be taken away from you in a moment where somebody takes it. Like, he's just like, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. You know, like, uh, I think it's, it's that kind of shit that, like, you just don't get in, in other jobs, you know, like, I don't know, like a desk job as, uh, as rewarding it as it could be for like different reasons. Uh, there's really not another job where like the connection you have with your tools, uh, could be like, so like, uh, overshadowed by the connection you have with people, you know, like, and the way that like, uh, people's like love and, uh, I don't know charity could like overshadow that shit so much. It was uh I don't know one of the most like uh polarizing days for for my my uh my brain.
0: I think music isn't everything. Like you can you can do music while you're walking, you can do music while you're working. You it's in movies, it's played in between every single break of a TV show. It's everywhere and I think for you to, as a band, to be able to create music, and hopefully at some point you guys will be uh, comfortable and not have to do another job, but for you guys to do that and have people care, I think you've already won. Oh, one hundred percent. I totally
1: agree. I, uh, I yeah. I, I think that we. I think that you're, you've hit the nail on the head. It's like. Uh, you know, this shit could be gone in an instant, you know, like, uh, we, we could all die in a fiery van crash. We could all, uh, people could just, just instantly stop caring about our music, you know, like tragedy happens. It's like, but at the end of the day, we, I think we'll always have like moments like that, you know, that trailer robbery where it's like, where you really learn something about like humanity and it just completely is just like i don't know it's like who gives a shit about like uh, the the music side of all that like you know it's like a, a real a real uh example of like humanity like correcting itself which is just you know i don't know i wouldn't say i would like to go through it again but i i do feel like uh, another example of that humanity would be uh, much appreciated every year.
0: But I, you saying that it's like you've it's been instilled since your sister and brother told you about those bands, and you went and saw maybe some of the shows, or you went online and watched a video, or you maybe saw your first show or in your first band, and someone told you, "Oh, this is what you do at the show, and this is how you act, like, like this is kind of what people do, and you can do your own thing, but this is kind of accepted." or this is how you act, and you learn those things, and then you shared, and I think that same thing where, of course, the people that you're with and associated with, when something wrong happens, you find out who your friends are. I'm really
1: looking forward to the, like, the last record of this band. Uh, not like I can't wait till this ends, but I'm looking forward to like the moment where we decide it's over and like look back at all of it. Uh, Because so far, it's like, you know, these have been like the most fulfilling five years of my life. Uh, They've been probably the five weirdest, uh, at a lot of times, like emotionally draining years of my life. But they've also been like the five probably best years that I've ever felt like. You know, like when I was in high school and college, it's like you're always just kind of like doing what, whatever you're supposed to be doing. But then all of a sudden, it was like when we started doing the tours, it was like I have this new purpose, and I like I believe in what I'm doing for the first time. I'm like I don't know, that's that, I'm I'm really looking forward to being able to look back at all of it.
0: Connor, you did great. <laughs> I agree with the, the podcast or the yeah my, my life no you <laughs> both. both well I mean I, I I agree do. with one of them <laughs> maybe one of them not both. <laughs> yeah.